0: Welcome. You're listening to Saw Longform. With me, your host, Danny Easton. Over the past month, I've had the pleasure to sit down with people whose work captivates. People who push boundaries in their fields, ask questions and innovate. People who run. These dialogues are the basis for a series of long-form discussions where we dig deeper into their brilliant work and the light that it casts on the sport that we love, Welcome back to the second part of this two part special with the creators of Long Distance magazine. Today's guest is a director, a photographer, a run crew founder, and restaurant owner who, alongside Jason, is one of the driving forces behind Long Distance, a collection of photographs and stories documenting running's response to COVID 19 from around the world. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm delighted to welcome as the second part of this two part special. So Dewey, thank you so much for, for coming on the show. Really excited to have you here and, and talk all about about you as, as an artist and as a Run Club founder and, and your whole kind of creative output. I'd, and I'd love to start in terms of that creativity, your, your output, because looking at you on, on social media, it seems like you have loads of different strands and and ideas and platforms that you kind of work across. Is there one singular thing or a singular term that you'd use to describe your kind of creative output?
1: Yeah, oh man, that's a great question. Throughout my career, I've been asked like, oh, what do you do for work? What do you, like, what do you do? How do you classify yourself? And it's, it's always been a tough answer for me. Well, there's like the easy answer is. I'll just give them what they want to hear. It's like, I work in video, I make videos, I edit, shoot, photograph, whatever. But um, it's really so much more, I think, like especially now with the pandemic and where my career is, it's just kind of gone in so many different directions that I can't really say what one, there's not real one word that I can easily sum up what I do
0: yeah it's it's hard and i think also what is interesting as well is that that feeling of needing to concede when someone asks you what it is that you do do you know that feeling of like oh well i could give you a a fuller explanation but perhaps you're not going to understand i mean what 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 is that about do you ever feel that you do sometimes want to be like no well i do this and i also work in that and it doesn't have to be such a singular definition for for who i am creatively
1: yeah depending on the person i'm talking to i feel like you know if it's just small talk I, i I wouldn't want to bore them with, you know, with all the things I'm into and and everything, but if you know, if if I feel like they're they're interested, I'll I feel like I always start with I'm a director, like a creative director, film director, whatever. Um but then, you know, I'll jump into the food, like oh, I have a love I have a burger restaurant and I'm also trying to do all this other stuff and then I kind of gauge what, you know, their interest and in, and see. But um yeah, it, it's tough, you know.
0: It is, it is, and we'll definitely come to, to Love R. I've been salivating just reading the Yelp Please. reviews. I will definitely come onto that. But and, and talking about Love R and, and kind of all your output, you do strike me as someone who's a bit of a polymath, someone who has many strings to, to their bow. But in terms of your work as, as a director, I suppose my question is: is what's your starting point when you're looking like a, a music video or or a shoot or a magazine editorial? Where Where do you like to begin from?
1: Um. You know, I, I come. My background is from advertising. I went to film school, um, but really, I started working in advertising. And with that, similarly with with a lot of other creative work for pay, at least, you know, it's all about what uh, what the client wants or what message you're trying to convey for someone else. Um, and with that, even with Love Hour or uh, the restaurant or like shoots, it's always how do I tell. How do i get someone else's message across and they've obviously hired me for a reason um and i believe that's for my point of view and kind of my thinking uh it combines how do i get the message across what they want with my point of view so how do i tell their story with my perspective which is i assume what they
0: want so what is your perspective what would you describe your kind of your usp as for those kind of brands or 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 businesses that are approaching you and how, how are you meshing those two, sort of being true to yourself artistically but also you know doing the job that you're being paid for?
1: yeah, yeah, you know I feel like how I view the world is a little bit odd, it's a little weird offbeat um just how i how I was raised, how I grew up, kind of just being not an outcast but definitely someone who was um, watching from afar and kind of just forming my own opinions and you know little stupid jokes in my head and so when what you'll get the result of that is something that's a little different um a little funny but maybe it shouldn't be funny (laughs) but uh something that i feel like just works in the end it's very um specific to my style and and hopefully when you see it you know that uh, it's something that i created and something i worked on
0: it does strike me looking at your work. there is sort of a an outsider sort of a bit there's a sort of a bit of a kind of rebellious, kind of punk, kind of feel to to some of the stuff that you create. Like, and and going back to to the sort of beginnings of your creativity, maybe when you were at film school or earlier, were there were there significant works that kind of stayed with you and inspired you that that, that you feel like left a bit of an imprint in you that you've kind of gone on to to bring into the work that you create?
1: You know, it's it's definitely I was definitely a part of a lot of different subcultures growing up, whether the punk scene. Um hardcore music, but i've as I've grown, I've realized that I wasn't necessarily it didn't necessarily define me. Um, I was just really interested in not specific subcultures but just subcultures themselves, um and not kind of being a part of as cliche as it may sound like the mainstream or whatever, but just seeing things in a different light um, throughout you know, history or culture or, or whatever. Um, I think just that viewpoint. I totally forgot what the question is, but.
0: Uh. <laughs> the question was, I, hey, I, I get it, man. You, you haven't even had your breakfast yet. You've just woken up. But what <laughs> I was asking is there, was there something specific that, that stayed with you? Was right, it a, right. a movie or like an album or something where you were like, ah, okay, that speaks to me. Because I also appreciate that you don't maybe want to sort of pin yourself down to one specific thing because that's very evident in your work as well that you move through different mediums and different ways of it, expressing yourself as is the artistic way you don't really want to be yeah. defined by one specific thing but was there anything like a, like a scene from a movie or like yeah a, a track on a record where you were like oh my god that's kind of opened your eyes a little bit
1: yeah i mean i definitely i don't say it would uh it has specifically influenced me but definitely. I was very into, like, I'm obsessive over a lot of things that I'm just really into. Like, Wes Anderson, I feel like every kid at my age in school, high school, whatever, big Wes Anderson fan, and then, you know, I'd be, I'm playing right now, I'm playing video games a lot. I'm playing Final Fantasy Seven, and I was big into that, you know, just something that, obviously, Wes Anderson's filmmaker, but video games with incredible stories, um, anything that's really that's just quality that I find to be very interesting and very well-made. I'll just really attach to and kind of obsess over. And whether or not, you know, I'm making stuff with those references or not, I think it's just what carries over is how do I make something that's really good and thought out, well thought out, like, like those things.
0: Mm, and making stuff that, you know, the hope is maybe that other people will obsess over and I can...
1: Yeah there's so much like good work quality out there in the world throughout all genres. I know I just mentioned video games and movies, but like obviously music and then food, like having a great well-made burger is to me just as important and special as like seeing a great film. Like I'm really into film, but I'm really into food and these two are very good. So those inspire me for whatever I want to do.
0: Yeah, and the two aren't. Any
1: of that makes sense?
0: No, it does. It really does, and I don't think the two are the two are mutually exclusive. And I think it is, you know, it's slightly. It would be a reductive thing to say, "Oh, it's just a burger," but it's the experience and the the ritual of it as well. And I mean, let's let's get into burgers. Let's get into to love <laughs> out because researching this interview i, I was obviously looking at, at you and your output and i stumbled across love hour and then i fell into a, a a yelp kind of hole of reading reviews on yelp of like all the incredible experiences people have been having about love hour so so for people listening can you just tell us a little bit about love hour where the idea for that came and and how it's how it's grown
1: yeah so love hour i feel like this is going to be the most all over the place interview you, you'll ever have but I'm
0: no i love running. it i love
1: it <laughs> Uh, Love Hour is a is a restaurant, a burger restaurant, me, uh, my co- co-founder of Koreatown Run Club, Mike, started with our other friend and partner, Jimmy, who owned uh, the bar that we used to meet up at for runs. And so that was kind of where, you know, everybody met and everything started. And an opportunity came up for us to be partners in, in the new restaurant, Love Hour, which we definitely accepted and, and we're very excited to do without having any knowledge or background in the food industry other than we like food you know who doesn't Mm. but um so that's how that started and we kind of wanted just to take you know if we can if we can start a run club without never having ran seriously before um can we do that with with food and that's that's what love our is it's it's the place that we meet up during our runs after our runs um it's it's grown into a community of itself kind of similarly to uh what the run club for us has been
0: and there seems to be crossovers as well in terms of like how and we'll definitely come to to your run club like how the kind of run club movement has broken down some of the formalities surrounding like running clubs because over in the uk we have a lot of running clubs and there's a lot of there's a lot of, yeah, formality surrounding them and, and they're maybe sometimes perceived as being slightly formal and perhaps maybe a little bit unwelcoming. And I think what the running crew movement has done is kind of broken down that formality. And do you, do you think there's similarities between between that and, and Love Out, that kind of street food thing, the kind of rough and ready, everyone out in a parking lot, just hammering the burgers, sitting on some crates and just being a bit more kind of relaxed about it?
1: Yeah, I think so. I think you you described it very well you know what we what we knew from you know the running crew the running culture scene um, it was all about community um it was all about the people it was all about you know i use the word quality a lot but you know quality people and we try to do that with love hour you know just have have a space where it's not it's not some five star sit down restaurant it's just a place where you can go have a bite to eat it's weird but feel like you belong to this community with it's just a restaurant you know you just go and you know grab a burger sit down but I feel like um it's there's something more to it than just you know having a a, a, a burger on a weekend or whatever it's it's you go there and you, you feel something and that's kind of the environment we try to set like with the crates and like the street market night market street food vibe it's where I would want to eat after a run essentially you know
0: yeah and I think I think especially now and especially what what we've been through and particularly what you have been through as, as an american over the past 4 years i think the 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 sense of of needing community be that through a running crew or or through street food or or whatever it is like i feel like that is even more important now that sense of community or or kind of reestablishing or, or developing a community within your local area because it it strikes me that you're love for, for career town where where you are and where you're based it the, the, the love runs deep is, is that a fair thing to say
1: yeah um I wouldn't anything I do it would feel wrong if it, it didn't include you know the people that I'm around in the community so and that, that goes with the run club goes with love hour and even with the magazine but yeah and it all it all stemmed from my my partner Mike who who's I started the run club with and. And uh, our love for the community, especially his love for the community, he's been here a lot longer than I have um and you know he's he's been a definitely a voice for the neighborhood and I just kind of just try to replicate that as much as i can
0: so let's let's get into k r c let's let's get into the we're kind of working backwards to go to the beginning almost, but the career Town run club when because you came to running relatively late i mean. That yeah. feels like a slightly stupid statement because it, it's not about when you start running, really. It's just you become a runner when you do it. It doesn't matter whether you've been doing it for twenty mm-hmm. years or, or, or two years. But relatively speaking, you you were a, a new runner, and then you decided, along with with Mike, to to create this this crew. Where, where was the where was the impetus for that? Where, where did the idea come from?
1: Yeah. So as I said, Mike, you know, he's uh, he's big in in the the neighbourhood. And we I came to him with an idea of starting a soccer club, football club, KFC. Um I'm 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 big into football, soccer, and I, I love playing it and I just wanted to play it more. And I said, hey, let's just do like a pickup game every week and just see what happens. And so that's where it, the idea initially started. And it was, you know, there's a lot of permitting involved and it was very um, it was a lot more difficult than I thought it was just to play, you know, an organized game of 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 soccer. And so I went on a job to Haiti and it was it was for the North Face and I was filming maybe like 18 runners run across the country um, in seven days. And I saw that and I think that was like firsthand, like this is what running is, you know, like these guys are obviously running insane distances, but they were 18 strangers. They had no idea who each other were, you know, stuck in this Stuck in this bus, the school bus, ship driving them around Haiti, running, running during the day, sleeping together at night and these like on the floor. And it was that sense of community. I was like, this is what this is what we need in back home. And so we kind of shifted the um, the football club to a running club. And we had no idea. We I I'd never ran more than a mile in my life. And we found a friend, you know, just made a route, posted it on Instagram, like, hey, let's meet here three miles um maybe 28 people showed up the first time and we asked them afterwards like you guys want to do it once a month once a week like what do you think and they said let's do it again next week and that was almost five years ago and we, we've been running ever since we have pre covid we've had six runs a week you know we're all we're all like we've never done marathons before and now we're doing like three a year traveling all over the place and it's definitely it's changed my life um and i think it's changed a lot of people's lives for the better and it's it's an amazing thing i'm sure you know
0: It it is it's really incredible and i'm I'm fascinated by this this the running crew thing and and how because it does spread so quickly like yeah the, the the rate of development in terms of attendees and people just seem to flock to it once the idea the kind of the seeds being planted like being on the ground floor and being sort of at the beginning of a crew and seeing that like could what do you put that down to why, why do you think it um, appeals to so many people so quickly and it, and it develops so fast.
1: Yeah, I think it's, it has to do with two things. One running is fairly accessible to everyone. You know, you can, you can go outside for a run. You might not have like the most expensive shoes or the right gear or feel like you fit in with everything, but you can, you can generally just go outside with whatever you have and, and go for a run. And then the second is that sense of community wanting to fit in, wanting to, to find someone, you know, you usually. When you start off, you're running by yourself, maybe with a friend through the neighborhood. Um, And you see other runners here and there, and you don't know if you should, you feel somewhat connected to them. You're both out here, you know, struggling, doing whatever, but you don't know if you should wave or or like if there's a secret, like a a gesture or something. Um, This is for new runners, of course, specifically. But uh, I think, yeah, you just kind of want to fit in, belong somewhere both if you're a new runner or a more experienced runner finding other runners like yourself and just finding that sense of community which i feel is so important especially like you said now um and i i think those two things combined is just you know it's 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 bound to take off
0: and it does like you say it does kind of forego that that feeling of awkwardness when you perhaps are on your own and you cross another runner and you don't know what the kind of the collective kind of expression is and we have that in the uk and i find that interesting within the uk there's definitely a, a north south divide as to whether or not you'll get the runner's nod of like the yeah. kind of the tilt of the head to say hello and it's definitely more uh, prevalent in the north of england i found as a northerner than it is that it is in the south but for you as a runner because I know Mike your co-founder has stated how much he hates running like and how yeah. much he he really didn't enjoy it for you have you found that it's it's changed your perception of the sport and how you felt about it before you started the crew
1: um I, I definitely didn't think that we would I would still be running you know like five years later if I were if I were just to run for myself uh by myself for a month I feel like I would be over it um but it, it is that that's what I get after running and before running, well, mostly after running that, um, that makes me continue to run. Um, for me, I'm on the same page with Mike. I'm not the biggest fan of the act of running during a run, the motions, the the stress, the everything, but it's how you feel after, you know, it's, it's, um, you know, wow, that was a good workout. Now I can, Now I can hang out with my friends you know we we struggled through this together and now we can just decompress and and enjoy all the good things about it um but yeah yeah i'm not the biggest running fan necessarily but obviously i've been running for five years um so i don't know what that'll tell you
0: (laughs) no it's interesting and it's interesting you saying you didn't see yourself still running five years ago when you started and looking at looking at the run club and maybe looking at like love hour as well is that is that part of your kind of approach to projects that you kind of don't think long-term so that you kind of just throw yourself into them and just sort of see see what happens, kind of throw something against the wall and see whether it sticks. Is that is that kind of how you would approach something like that?
1: Yeah, I feel like now I think we have a better idea of what can work and how we can make things um, work better. But I would say, you know, before the running club, before this whole... Yeah. Before the run club, it was, it was a lot of projects. If I wanted to do something, you know, we would just do it Um, and maybe it works, maybe it doesn't. But I think now that with the success of the run club and and how it's changed my life and Mike's life, I think that was kind of the formula. We kind of found like the secret to what uh, works for us and not, not saying it'll work for everyone, but I think we definitely need the push of one another, Mike and myself, but also the push of the community and have, kind of like-minded people friends around us kind of working towards the same goal whether it's you know working on a burger or training for a marathon
0: and how has it how has it changed your life since the beginning of the of the crew
1: yeah i mean it's it's opened so many opportunities it's it's one of the reasons why it's hard to define what i do for for work now or just like in general um you know at first it was easy to say oh i'm a photographer i'm a i'm a creative director or whatever but now it's oh i'm a i'm a photographer but i also will you know go to shanghai and run a marathon and go to love hour and run this restaurant and it's 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 been amazing um something i never thought would would come from just having from running
0: i think that's the really exciting thing about all creative endeavors is that you ultimately never know where they're going to lead to and that's yeah. that's the exciting thing of of just trying i think and you know for anyone listening if you are just 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 try it out and see what happens you never know where it may lead to and like in terms of new creative endeavors like i'd be remiss if i didn't talk about long distance this new editorial magazine that you've you've brought out along with a uh, a whole list of other incredible photographers and and collaborators so For people listening, could you just give us a little bit of a, of an oversight about what long distance is and, and where the idea and kind of impetus for it came from?
1: Yeah. So long distance is a magazine. Um, I guess is the easy description for it. It's a project I worked with my friend, Jason, and it came from, um, seeing all of the runners and photographers, like people within the running community kind of just go on hold during COVID during the pandemic. Um, whether that was just not being able to run not being able to meet up with their crews not being able to work to photograph runs or to to work on anything just because the whole world generally pretty much just went on hold Um, we wanted to create a project that kind of both documented what was going on in the world within the running community but also work with these some of these photographers and writers who weren't working at the time Um, and that was back in it started March of last year, twenty twenty. And so it started we wanted to start keep it small. It was just l a. to New York. Me and my friend Jason. we went out and took some photographs. And then I think once we kind of took a step back and looked at what we had, we knew that it was it was bigger than just you know l a. to New York. It's something that we should capture throughout the world. Um, and then so we hit up our friends, our photographers, our running friends. Um, and it was, I think it was 29 different cities and we had little, um, write ups stories, anything that we could include, um, in this kind of time capsule magazine and we put it out, it came out in, in August and yeah, it's just essentially a time capsule of what running was like, uh, during the pandemic.
0: Did you feel that, that urgency when, when when everything was kind of developing with with covid back in march which is now almost a year which is which is crazy to even think about like that sense of urgency w- w- did you and 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 jason think this this is really important moment like as artists i suppose did you feel like this this is something that w- will be still being felt many many years from now and it's important that we we document and capture it
1: yeah definitely you know during the time we were seeing a lot of a lot of people kind of shifting their lives obviously, but also kind of the content that create. And it was a lot of, you know, Instagram lives. It was a lot of zooms. It was a lot of, you know, you see it everywhere now, like the little neatly designed Instagram posts, like 10 things you can do to save, you know, whatever. But we wanted, we wanted something that was, was a little different, something that wouldn't just go away uh, on a, after 24 hours or after like a a feed scroll um, something more tangible. And I thought, you know, the magazine would be a perfect example or a perfect way to kind of tell the story of what running was like during this time. Because you know, even now, you said it was like a year ago. It it seems, you know, a lot has changed, but also not too much has changed, right? Um, depending on how you look at it. But hopefully, when all of this is over, um, let's say twenty in twenty thirty, you look back and like, I remember that time. That was an insane time. Thought it would never end. In the middle of it, but now that it's all over and we can learn from it, we can look back and and just have a a nice piece a nice magazine that you can kind of look back at that time with
0: i think it's really interesting as well There's a a couple of things i'd like to unpick with with that last answer and i i think what you're saying about the how people have expressed or or produced content through the digital kind of avenues that we all well know instagram and, and that kind of thing what's quite interesting is your pivot to something that's quite analog and quite tactile you know the thing of a magazine and do you think that's indicative of, of people's desires for something a bit more substantial when it comes to contact, uh, content? As a man who's worked in advertising and worked with brands, do you think there is a bit of a, a pivot away from the kind of the doom scroll and the, the sort of short attention span sort of social media into something that is more more substantial?
1: Yeah, I think so. And even as, uh, with like Zoom calls and and. Apps like Clubhouse, where it's it's not necessarily it's necessarily like Instagram or or tweets, something you can get consumed really quick. It's you have to actually um, invest some of your time and and listen to to these things, and um, I think that's something we always, as humans, want. But the way technology has has grown, we we've essentially had to adapt to you know uh, an Instagram post to a twenty four hour you know instagram story to 140 words like it's just getting quicker and quicker and quicker and as a collective as um it's it's hard to just get everyone to say no we want to do you know we want print magazines you know um and so with the pandemic when everything just shut down i think people had time to be like you know what i don't need to to just go 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 you know i'm not going anywhere i can sit down with a book i can read a magazine i can you know listen uh to uh, a po- a podcast without driving you know without doing all these other things so um in a way you know the pandemic definitely i think op- slowed things down for the better um i think people are now more aware of you know i don't need to go consume you know all this content all the time i can just sit down and 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 relax a bit take take some time There's all the time in the world.
0: Yeah, it definitely did feel that there was a shift to, to, to slow down. And, and it's really, I think it's also really important to highlight the positives that have, have come out of what has been a, a, a really horrible situation and in terms of, of you and, and your collaborators on this project, that, that shift into, into magazine publishing, like that was, or must have been like that, that's fairly new territory for you, right?
1: Definitely. Um, you know i w- i was always able to like you know design a uh, a flyer or or anything like that like make an instagram feed but the magazine was definitely new territory and i learned a lot from it it is nothing like designing just a flyer <laughs> you know there's um we definitely like i maybe redesigned the whole magazine twice thinking it was ready to print um and and had to go back and be like what was i thinking like this is all wrong like um so it's it was definitely new territory and very fun and exciting to work on something new during, during the pandemic where we did have a lot of time.
0: Is there like things that you hadn't even considered, like the tactile feeling of like paper or, or composition or what what goes what goes first, what goes last, like the, the kind of the, the editorial side of it as well. Was that very much a new thing for you to experience?
1: Yeah, I mean I knew I knew the the editorial side. I knew the like the writing had to be great. And if it wasn't, it had to be real, you know, that's what we were looking for. We weren't we weren't asking like professional writers. A lot of them were just friends who who were living in these cities and they weren't necessarily writers, but they had the point of view that other people didn't have. Um so I knew the writing had to be had to be good, and I knew I wanted to feel the paper. I wanted to, you know, I I, I drove to a lot of different places just to buy mag specific magazines because I liked their paper and I read about it on the internet. But the one thing, one specific thing I didn't really realize was when I when we printed it, the font was too big. I made the font too big. It looked great on screen. Got a sample in, and I was like, oh, we gotta we gotta do this all over. So that was a big uh, big learning experience for me there.
0: With the project itself, like when you're saying about making something that's that's real, because there is the onus there, isn't it? If you're documenting such a an important moment and, and so many people's experiences through through a very turbulent y- year, how are you? How are you charging your contributors in order to make sure that what they are producing is is authentic, that that really captures um, the the spirit of the stories that you're wanting to communicate?
1: Yeah, I mean when we when we started this, it was, it was like the, it was at its worst, I feel like throughout the world. And we were even unsure if it was the right move to ask people to go out for a run and uh, to have someone photograph them. And in most cases, it was, it was okay. Everyone was comfortable and they were allowed to, but if they weren't, then they were just sending iPhone photos uh, in their garage for them doing like a speed workout in their parking lot. And I feel like that in of itself is is in, is pretty crazy and authentic like I can't go out and do a real photo shoot so I'm just going to set up a timer because I can't have people over and I'm just going to run around and if you can match kind of those photographs with that story I think people are going to relate and understand that this is very real and this is what it was like and that's exactly what we wanted to have from this magazine. Like, what was it like during that date that the magazine was published or when the article was written? Um, What was it like in Sao Paulo? What was it like in uh, Cape Town? Um, And and for the Cape Town uh, story, Paul, it was just screenshots of, of Zoom workouts that they had because they couldn't leave the house. And I think once you see that, you know, you see screenshots, it's not what you, it's not the beautiful, you know, landscape running shot that you want to see but that's that's what it was like and that's what we we um that's what the magazine's about
0: and when you are curating all of these all of these stories from around the world you're talking about south africa or or sao paulo like were there specific like perspectives that really kind of chimed a chord with you when all these stories were coming in were there moments where you you kind of had to take a step back from the kind of stories that you were kind of receiving as the magazine was being put together
1: yeah the you know the hong kong one it was definitely a good piece. It was Sylvia wrote that one. It was very well written. It was very it had a lot of numbers and facts in it, um, which I appreciated. Um, and Hong Kong is such a dense place and and kind of reading reading what she wrote, um how they were just dealing with it, um, was was pretty amazing. And like we, we said, maybe it was before the we started rolling, but like you get so caught up in what your city um what your country is dealing with and you're you're unable to kind of see what other places are kind of holding up and i think that was a big kind of eye opener for me like to read a lot of these stories when i first got them and it, it was funny and we it's laid out pretty chronologically um in the magazine uh but the the first uh, write up was from shanghai and i remember getting that it was very hopeful you know because by that time things were okay or a lot better in china thank thankfully but i just uh i couldn't put that first in the magazine you know like this is a magazine about running in the pandemic oh things are things are okay and then it the rest of the world is is uh is pretty bad but yeah there's a lot a lot of different in- interesting stories especially if you look at the date and the timeline of when they were submitted like how la was doing uh, at the same time, when sh- how Shanghai was doing, um, to how London was doing, it's it's all very interesting, and I think it'll get more interesting when you look back in in ten years and read it. Mm,
0: and it is, like you say, it is a it is a good reminder to just to to check in with yourself and realize that it is a global pandemic as well. Yeah. To take yourself out of your own kind of lived experience, which is is so um easy to get swept up in because kind of lockdown and quarantine is is the kind of perfect environment for you to become incredibly insular and and not aware of of your of the of the surroundings and what's going on um outside of your own kind of field of of view. And and looking back, and you, you talk about saying, you know, when we look back at this period of, of time ten years from now, as someone who's curated all of these stories, what do you think Running's legacy or contribution will be to to this kind of global pandemic that we're we're living through, and hopefully we'll be sort of seeing the end of very soon?
1: You know what I learned from from this, especially kind of you know this wasn't written in the magazine, this wasn't this wasn't something that was was kind of ever said, but just while creating this, I've definitely learned that and solidified my thought that you know runners the running community is one of the best in the world before the pandemic we would wake up early in the morning train together um, crew support cheer document you know just do whatever we could um to support one another and then what happens when the running stops you know that sense of community is still there um, and that you know when people say it's more than running this was this was the test you know what happens when running no one is running do you are you still there for each other and i think working on this project it's it's evident that the answer is is yes a portion of the of the funds for this a portion of the profits for this magazine was going to charity and that was just something that we felt that we had we had to do um and also when we were paying these photographers if they if they had work, they were like, you know what, thank you, but I'm going to take the money you give me um and give it to charity as well, or just just give it to the charity. Like, I don't need the funds, you know. So it's it's more than yeah, it's more than running. I hate that phrase, but it essentially it is it's true. So if anything I've learned if there's anything I've learned from this project is runners are are very special people. The community is very is very great. And I don't think you know, there's anything else in the world like it.
0: Dewey, I feel like that's the kind of perfect sentiment and note to, to end our conversation on. And um, Thank you so much for, for giving us your time. And uh, yeah, we'll be sure to, to link to Long Distance and make sure everyone uh, checks out the, the fantastic magazine and, and all your work. Thank you so much, Dewey. Thank you, Danny. You can find more about Long Distance at longdistance.world. You've been listening to Soar Long Form with me, your host, Danny Easton. And you can find more about Saw at our website, soarrunning.com. Next time.
1: You know, this is an existential fear or threat. And that explains why in the early 1900s, so many governments begin to actually take this huge interest in physical fitness and physical activity.
0: If you enjoyed today's episode, then subscribe from wherever you get your podcasts from. And I'll see you next time. Thanks for listening.